Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. A reminder, I do encourage you to check out my wife's business, Ashura Clips. You go to lilarose.biz, L-I-L-L-A rose.biz slash Ashira, A-S-H-I-R-A. There she sells a wide variety of different hair clips, hair pins, and headbands to suit a wide variety of different tastes. They also come in different sizes to fit a wide variety of different hair lengths. So uh, check that out over at lilarose.biz, L-I-L-L-A rose.biz slash Ashira. Well now, let's get into this week's episode of Follow Vance. The original air date, June 28th, 1949, and the title is The Motor Murder Case. Duke's in the lead. Yeah. Now if he can only hold one more lap and he'll cut the flag short, Joe. Ah, come on over here away from the rail, Tony. We can see if he wins it from here. Even if he does, I'll still take him when I get my own crate. I never saw a grease monkey yet who didn't want to be a racing driver. Except me. Yeah, yeah. Me, I'm happy. I don't crack up. I don't go through no fences. I'm happy. I fix a tire. I beat him gas. But I'm just a mechanic. I know. Look, I'm not trying to run your life, Tony. You're happy here in the pit. Okay, so you're happy. Hey, there goes number eight out after Duke. He's catching him. And they're coming around the bend and into the stretch. Hey, just see that? Sure, Duke tried to push number eight through the fence. That's Duke for you. That's him all over. Hey, here they come. Look, number eight's nosing in front. Yeah. Duke's eating dust. Ah, that's even too good for him. They're heading for the finish. There's a guy with a checkered flag. It's between number eight and Duke. It's Duke. No, no. There's a finish. It's number eight. So what? Somebody's got to win, don't they? It don't have to be, Duke, just because we're here in his pit. I'm going over to the rail. Here he comes rolling toward us. Okay, I'm with you. He'll be fit to be tied, Joe. Now ain't that just too bad. I'm going to talk to him. Hey, Duke. Yeah? Gee, that was a tough one to blow, Duke. You only lost it by nose. I didn't lose it. It was lost for me. What do you mean, Duke? What do you mean? Yeah, Duke, what do you mean? Which one of you guys checked my tires before the race started? Joe here did. That's right. One of them blew on me halfway through the race. Yeah, I know. We put the new one on, didn't we? Tony and me practically broke a track record for speed, Oh, too. you changed it fast enough, but number eight didn't have any tire changes. That's the reason he got up there in front uh, of me. Gee, Duke, that could happen to anybody. A tire blows, boom, it happens all the time. Sure, but it's generally an accident. Sorry if my checkup on the tires wasn't right, Duke. They tested okay. Sorry if that made you lose a race. You want to be a racing driver, don't you, Joe? Yeah. Figure you can drive for old man Roberts someday, too, don't you, huh? Yeah, I do. What about it? You know what's liable to happen when a tire blows when you're going around a turn beating 100 miles an hour? I said I was sorry I'd made you lose a race, didn't I? I'm not talking about losing a race. I could have cracked up, gone through a fence. You cost me the race, all right, but you almost cost me my life. It's all right to be ambitious, Joe. But don't overdo it. <laughs> 
Chicky, what was my time? Hold it, Joe. I'm on my way over. Oh, you did great, Joe. Just great. Yeah? What uh-huh. did I do exactly? You huh? did it a minute faster than number eight that copped the big race on Saturday. The one that beat out Duke. Yeah, good. That means I enter this crate for the next big race. You know, this little supercharger of mine really went to town. This thing was hopping all the way. Joe, you're going to beat Duke when you go up against him, aren't you? Oh, you know I am, honey. I've been mechanic for that guy for a year. I know him inside out. Uh-huh. I'm going to beat him all right. Before the year is over, I'll be the top driver for old man Roberts. Oh, you bet you will. That's my guy who said that. And that's my girl who said that. <laughs> you really have forgotten all about Duke, haven't you, Chicky? You made me forget him, Joe. I've forgotten him. <laughs> but not what he did to me. You've got to run him into the ground at the next race, Joe. You've got to beat him. Don't worry, Chicky. I'll beat that guy. One way or another. <laughs> I knock with nine points. Kings, tens, and six, seven, eight of diamonds. How many do you have, Duke? I don't know you, Mr. Roberts. Got to figure it out. Here's a king I lay off on you. Ten I lay off. That makes it three fives, three deuces, three and an ace. Four points, undercut. Well, how do you like that? Tony, did you ever see anything like the luck that Duke has in gin rummy? He's awful lucky, Mr. Roberts. Oh, stop turning around and look at Tony after every hand, Mr. Roberts. That isn't going to help you win, you know. Well, something better help me. <laughs> I haven't won a hand all night. And in my own office with my own cards, too. Now, Mr. Roberts, if I was you, I wouldn't hold no high cards. Maybe that's a way to beat Duke and Gin Rummy. Save the smallest. Now, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. Tony, how is it every time I play Duke, you're standing in back of me? Well, I just like to watch you play, that's all. I don't open my mouth, do I? I don't say nothing. No, you don't talk. But you can see my hand and you can signal him. Signal me? Now, wait a minute, Mr. Roberts. Wait, nothing. You can signal him, Tony, with that toothpick you always have in your mouth. Yeah, you keep it in one corner. It means I have kings a little toward the center queens, in the center jacks, and the other corner tens. That's how it could be done. Now, Mr. Roberts, you don't think I'd cheat you, do you? After all, I drive for you. After tomorrow's race, you'll be saying used to drive for me. I've got this thing figured out now. Tony signals with the toothpick. And if he takes it out of his mouth, that shows I need the card he's signaling for in a run. That's what's been going on here. Gee, Mr. Roberts, I don't know what you're talking about. I ain't smart enough to signal nobody. I wouldn't know how to signal anybody. You'd know how to remember what's told to you. Duke, you've won at least $15,000 from me in the past few months. I want that back. Mr. Roberts, that's being unreasonable. You aren't being cheated. I won that money, honestly. I doubt it. I don't think you ever did anything, honestly, in all your life. Do I get that money back, Duke? I don't see why I should give it to you. You don't, eh? No. I'll explain it to you. I hate losing. But worse than that, I hate being cheated. Something is going to be done about it, believe me. And very soon. Ever been to one of these auto races, Markham? No, never, Vance. I've seen the standard motor car races, but never these midget jobs. Does you good to get away from your office once in a while. You are too conscientious a district attorney. You never have any fun. <laughs> Look who's talking. If I were on a case at the moment, I wouldn't be here, but neither would you, Vance. Day off doesn't do you any harm either. Well, now that we've decided no harm can come to either of us, 
Let's pick a number we think will win this race. I think I like number three. Well, no, I don't know. Seven's a mighty pretty number. I think I'll take seven. Who does the program say is driving seven? Seven? Let me see. Oh, that's Duke Wilson's car. He's quite a driver, I understand. Now let me look and see who's driving my number three. Number three is Joe Turner. I'll take him for my bet. You have him, my friend. Well, concentrate, Markham, because there's the... Let it go! They're off! The first sprint of the day, ladies and gentlemen. Making the first turn, it's number six, eight, seven, and twelve, with the rest of the cars bunched in back. They're heading into the first stretch now with the leaders still in the same position. Number three, driven by young Joe Turner. Starting to come up. He's wide of the pack. And number seven, that's Duke Wilson's, keeping him on the bank and preventing him from getting up top speed. Wilson is crowding number three to the rail, and three drops back. Here they come past our broadcasting booth. And number six is giving way to the speed of number, let me see, it's number four. Number four is coming up from nowhere on the near turn, and he's leading all the cars with number seven in back of him now, and number three laying back in third position, waiting an opportunity of getting between them. There they go, hub to hub, making the turn and coming around at top speed. Here comes number three, making his bid. Number seven, that's Wilson, tries to pound him off. Wilson's taking the steering wheel. He can't seem to straighten it out. There he goes, through the fence. He's turned over. The Poor fellow. Are running over to the Nasty car. accident, wasn't it, Vance? It was nasty, all right, Markham. But I'm not so sure it was an accident. Sure was a tough break for you, Mr. Roberts. Your car was leading all the way when Duke went through that fence. It was a tougher break for Duke. The ambulance doctor said he doesn't have a chance. Yeah, that's what happens in this racket, Mr. Roberts. You never can tell when you start a race where you'll end up. That's the reason I don't want never to drive. Me, I'm a grease monkey. I'm no auto racer. But I still say it was a tough break for you, boss. How do you figure that? You got kind of sore at that game last night. You promised Duke something. Looks like you kept your promise. Why, you... Not to me, don't you understand, but to other people. If they should happen to be told what you said after the game busted up... Yeah, go ahead. I like working here, Mr. Roberts. Take me out of a pit where I can kick a motor around and fix it, and life ain't worth living. I stay on the payroll, don't I, Mr. Roberts? Hello, Mr. Roberts. Who are you, and what are you doing in my office? My name is Vance, Philo Vance. And I've been waiting in your office for you. I'd like to talk to you. About what? Well, originally, it was because Duke Wilson, who was killed at the racetrack this afternoon, drove one of your cars. And I suspected it might not have been an accident that caused his steering wheel to go haywire. Yeah, go on. Police investigations showed that the steering mechanism had been almost severed, so that a yank at the steering wheel would throw the car out of control. I didn't know that. As I said, that was the original point in my coming to see you. Oh. Since I've been here, I happen to notice this gin rummy pad on your desk with the score of an unfinished game and scores of a lot of games that you did complete. What about it? Someone with the initials DW won all of the games and was winning the game which you quit on. Mm. Could that be Duke Wilson? 
I played with him quite a bit. I've never heard of a gin game being called off before it was over unless it was interrupted by someone or something like a quarrel. And after looking at these scores, I can see what you might have quarreled about. Didn't you ever win? No, as long as you asked, I didn't. What about it? Who's there? Me, Mr. Roberts, Joe Turner and Miss Dale. Turner won today's race, didn't he? Yes. Please ask him to come in, Mr. Roberts. Come in. Mr. Roberts, I... Oh, I uh, didn't know you were busy. Come on in. This is Joe Turner and his girlfriend, Chickie Dale, Philo Vance. Hi, How Mr. do you do? Vance. Congratulations on winning that race, Turner. Nice driving. Uh, thanks. Mr. Roberts, I came up here to see if you could use a guy like me, testing your stock cars and driving for you. Now that Duke's not around anymore. You didn't waste much time, did you, Joe? Huh? Do you know Vance and the police think Duke was murdered? Murdered? The steering wheel was fixed, so the first yank at it would send the car out of control. You were a mechanic, I understand, Joe. Yeah, that's right. Were you near Duke Wilson's car before the race started or late last night? Of course not. Are you sure? Well, I... I was in the garage, just getting some tools of mine. I used to work there. But I never went near the car. Perhaps you didn't. Don't believe him, Vance. No. Well, it seems that we have a young man with opportunity and motive right here in the office. What do you mean? Quite interesting. It's a good thing for you, Miss Dale, that you had no reason to hate Wilson and that you weren't near his car last night. Good thing? It's a bad thing. I used to go with Duke, only he threw me over. And I was in the garage last night. I went there with Joe... Only I was walking around while he got his tools. So nobody can say I didn't fix Duke Wilson's wagon either. Hello? Chicky, this is Joe. Oh, Joe, darling, what happened after I left you and Vance in Mr. Roberts' office? Well, nothing much while Vance was there, but after he left, Mr. Roberts offered me a job. Oh, Joe, that's wonderful. Uh, it's great, only I don't understand something he said. Tell me about it. What was it? Well, he said that starting right away, I could start driving for him, providing that I forget about what I saw last night. Uh Uh-huh. But, honey, I didn't see anything last night. Didn't you, darling? Well, no. Well, I did. You... What are you talking about? When you went into the garage to get your tools, I was walking around like I told Vance. And who do I see right near Duke Wilson's car but old man Roberts himself? He's hiring you to keep my mouth shut. This is District Attorney Markham. The motor murder case opened when Duke Wilson was killed while driving his racing car. Later, the steering wheel was found to have been tampered with. Vance has discovered that Wilson won a lot of money from George Roberts, car manufacturer, and also that he had made enemies of Joe Turner, recently a mechanic but now a racing driver, and Turner's girl, Chickie Dale. Vance has told me that he's on the way to a private garage to see Tony, Duke's mechanic, and he should be there about now. Can you hear me under there, Tony? Sure, Mr. Vance, I can hear you. I can hear you good. I gotta get this private bus fixed for a friend of mine, or I'd come out from under this car and talk to you. Go ahead, I can listen, okay? Tony, you were Duke's mechanic. Did you want to be a driver? Who, me? Nah, not me. I'm a guy who likes what I'm doing. Why else would I be under a mortar of a bus like this? I like to fix cars, Vance. Were you and Duke friendly? In a way. I was with him last night, Vance. Where was that? Old man Roberts' office. Wait a minute, I'll slide out. 
Oh, I sure am a mess, ain't I? Well, that's what overalls were made for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Well, listen, like I was saying, I, I was in Roberts's office, and there was a gin rummy game going on between the old man and Duke. And it wound up... In an argument because Duke won so consistently. Who told you that? Roberts? No, he carefully refrained from going into that subject, but I gathered he believed Duke was cheating. You gathered? Brother, he really told Duke off, but good. Tony, do me a favor, will you? Sure, sure. What do you want? There's a telephone pay station right over in the corner. Uh, here are three nickels. Uh, wait till I wipe my hands. Uh, what do you want me to call? Three people. Chicky Dale, yeah. Joe Turner, and Mr. Roberts. Okay. What do I say when I get them? Tell them who you are and tell them you know something they wouldn't want you to talk about. Then tell them you are leaving town for a day or so and we'll call them when you get back. Okay? Right. Here we go. Which of the three are you calling, Tony? I may be stupid, but I'm polite, Mr. Vance. I got three numbers to call. I'm calling the ladies first. You sent for me, Mr. Roberts? Yes, I did, Turner. Sit down. Oh, thanks. I offered you a job last night after Vance left this office, remember? Uh, sure, I remember. Not only did you offer me a job, but I took it. Well, I've changed my mind. There is no job with my company for you. Wait a minute. And hey, now, look. You said something about my not talking. I don't care now whether you talk or not. I can't bribe everybody in the world to keep quiet about my fighting with Duke or my being near his car the night before he was killed. I don't want to know what you can or can't do, Mr. Roberts. I got a job with you. You said so yourself. I told you I changed my mind. You can't do that. I counted on that job. It means a lot to me. It means Chicky and I can get married. Who cares about Chicky and you? I care about Chicky and me. You're not going to do anything to hurt us, do you understand? Well, do you understand? Get out of here. Oh, no. This means too much to me. I'm staying right here till you decided you've changed your mind again, that you do want me to work for you. I said get out of here. Get out or I'll throw you out. Don't try it, Mr. Roberts. Don't... Hey, take your hands off me. Take them off, I told you. Okay, this will take them off. You'll be a sorry young man for that, Turner. A very sorry young man. You'll never drive another racing car on any track in the country. I'll see to that. Go ahead. See what harm you can do me. Especially when the police hear about you being next to Duke Wilson's car the night before it was fixed so it would crack up. I don't understand exactly why Vance wanted me to see him here, Miss Dale. I hope you don't mind our using this apartment for a meeting place. I don't mind anything. I've got worries. Really? Tell me about them. Spill to the DA? <laughs> Not me, Markham. Not while I can think the answer's out myself. Oh, that must be Vance now. Well, I've got something to tell him if it is. And I'll soon find out whether it is or not. Uh, press that buzzer on the wall, will you? It opens the door. All right. Hello, Miss Dale, Markham. Good evening, Vance. Hi, Vance. I uh, want to talk to you. Something's going on that I don't understand. What's the trouble, Miss Dale? A couple of hours ago, I got a call from that stooge grease monkey, Tony. He says he can louse me up, and he'll see me in a couple of days when he gets back in town. Well? Well, that call came only 15 minutes after I get one from some guy who don't give his name, but says that if I'm a smart girl, I didn't see anything around the garage the night before Duke Wilson got killed. It does sound rather involved, doesn't it, Vance? A little. 
Miss Dale, did you ever go out with Tony, the mechanic? Me? I should say not. I used to go with Duke Wilson. I know that. How about Mr. Roberts? I just want a point covered. Did he ever try to take you out? Him? He's old enough to be my father. Look, I never went with anybody except Duke and Joe. I never went with anybody else. Nobody else ever tried to date me, call me, or write me, ever. Satisfy you? I'm satisfied. How about you, Vance? Oh, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied that now I know who murdered Duke Wilson. Come in, come in. Oh, hello, Mr. Roberts. Well, uh... Oh. Well. What do you want, Miss Dale? Make it quick. Take it easy, Mr. Roberts. I came here to make a deal, not to start a fight. What deal would I possibly want to make with you? Oh, let's put it this way. Vance and Markham just left my apartment. But they left after Vance insisted he knew who killed Duke Wilson. How can that possibly affect me? Oh, stop kidding, Mr. Roberts. You're not talking to a dope. I've been around, which isn't important, but I was around the garage the night Duke's car was gimmicked, and that is important. I went through all that with your boyfriend, Joe Turner. Yeah, yeah, he told me. Look, Mr. Roberts... Vance maybe knows who fooled around with that steering wheel, but he can't prove anything because it wasn't there the night before Duke went through the fence, but I was. Somebody else was there, too, apparently. Somebody who called me up and threatened me. Tony. That was a gag, a trick of Vance's. Mm. He tried it on me, too. Mr. Roberts, Joe Turner's got to have that job if I'm going to keep my mouth closed. You'll keep it closed. You've got nothing to say except that you saw me in the garage. That could be enough. You won't say that to anybody, Miss Dale. You won't tell it to a soul, because what I was doing there had nothing to do with Duke Wilson's death, but it might look as if it did. So you'll keep your mouth closed, Miss Dale. You'll keep it closed, or I'll close it for you. Look at him go, Vance. Turner has a good car, and apparently he's a good driver, and he believes in practicing. That's important. Think he practiced murder before he killed Duke Wilson? I didn't say Joe Turner killed Duke, Markham. You didn't say he didn't either. You didn't get me down here to the racetrack just to watch Turner work out. No, that's right, I didn't. Hey, Mr. Vance. A pretty good time Turner's making, huh? Very good, Tony. Tony's checking Turner's time and helping out at the pit. Come on over. He can tell us something we want to know. Right. Uh, Vance, suppose you tell me something I want to know on the way. All right, I will. I called Mr. Roberts and asked him to meet us here. Uh, now I'm completely informed. Thank you very much. As if I knew what I was thanking you for. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know very shortly, believe me. Well, Mr. Vance, how about that car? I really got it working like a charm, ain't I? I imagine you have. And I imagine Mr. Turner will concur with my imagination. Hey, what a motor, Tony. You're a genius. This thing <laughs> runs like a clock. Hi, Vance. Welcome. Hello, Hi, Turner. Whose car is that you're driving? My own. That's the one I won the race with. The race where Duke Wilson got killed. Built it yourself, eh? Yeah, Tony and me. Did Tony and you build the murder of Duke Wilson, too? What are you talking about? Hey, Mr. Vance, I don't like that kind of talk. I don't like it at all. I'm sorry. I apologize. Very well, Mr. Turner. Tony and you didn't kill Duke Wilson. Tony did it all by himself. Me? How did you know I killed him? I'll knock you up. That's the guy. I've got a monkey wrench. I'll stop myself. Well, thank you, Joe. You can do other things well besides drive racing cars, I see. So this is the monkey who killed Wilson. 
He's the one who gimmicked the steering wheel. That's right. Lance, did you just trick him into making a break, or did you really know? I knew, Markham, believe me. Of course, his admitting it won't hurt your case in court, but I knew. I'll meet you tonight and tell you how I knew Tony murdered Duke Wilson. It was really very simple, Markham. The only complicated part of this case was that there were four suspects. That's quite a few. It most certainly is. Especially when three of them had motives like Turner, Miss Jail, and Roberts. And it turned out the fourth was the killer. Why did Tony want Wilson dead, Vance? Apparently because he was Wilson's partner when they both were cheating Mr. Robert at gin rummy. And apparently Wilson wouldn't split with him. Hmm. Reasonable. Especially in view of the fact that he knew Roberts and Turner hated Wilson and that he'd never be suspected. What made you think it was he? I didn't think. I knew. Remember, Markham, when we were in Miss Dale's apartment, she said she had received two phone calls, one from Tony and one a quarter hour before that from somebody who threatened her if she told what she'd seen in the garage the night before Wilson was killed. Oh, yes, I remember that. Well, there's no question in my mind but that the first call came from the real murderer who knew Miss Dale was at the garage that night and thought she might have seen something. The second call did come from Tony, and he made it at my request. Well, who made the first call? Tony. Only I didn't know anything about that one. All I did know was that he dialed Miss Dale's number without having to look it up in the phone book when I asked him to get her on the phone. Oh, which means that he'd called the number before. Very shortly before. Yes. After Miss Dale told me he'd never called her previously, never had tried to date her, then I knew that the only way he could have known her phone number was if he'd just called it. And if he had called it, he was the murderer. Well, you certainly call that, Vance. Congratulations. Thank you. And you know something? I never suspected Tony, not once. Not even in the beginning. The beginning isn't important, Markham. What is important is that this is the end of the motor murder case. Welcome back. I have to admit that at first I didn't believe Vance's key clue because it seems hard to believe that someone could 
retain a phone number from having dialed it once a few hours ago. Now, of course, this would be a kind of believable thing in the 21st century, you know, when we all have cell phones. If, say, you know, you did this scene in the 21st century, and our mechanic friend uh, dialed the lady on his phone without having to look up her number, then, yeah, that would be some questions. But I was questioning, how would he remember a number that long? But the thing I need to consider, you know, is the way that phone numbers worked in the 1940s. And phone numbers in 1949 worked off of the telephone exchange system. Numbers were either six, or in large cities such as New York, they were seven numbers long. And there are some examples of what these phone numbers were like. Uh, examples cited on Wikipedia include Baldwin 6828 or Market 7032. So while it's highly unlikely that our mechanic friend would remember a seven-digit number, if the word stood out to him and the four-digit number was in some way uh, memorable. And in my experience, if your mind sees a memorable number, it will try to memorize it for you, whether you try to or not. It's very, it could easily not had to have dialed the number. The motive, I don't think, was great. Uh, you know, I think on Philo Vance, they really like to go for the least likely suspect, but here, the motive, like, the race car driver cheated him out of his portion of their ill-gotten gains. I mean, that was an ongoing issue. It doesn't seem like much of a murder motive, and it's like, why didn't he address it sooner? Then again, why was it that the owner of the race car driver didn't realize until uh, Duke had driven up a ridiculous streak of wins in Rummy, that something was awry. Again, the everybody other than Philo Vance and Philo uh, Vance's world is not very bright theory is uh, further vindicated. I did also question the button uh, to open the door in Chi-Chi's apartment. There was no indication that she was wealthy or, you know, had, you know, much of anything to speak of. I'm not aware of push-button doors being something that was available to folks who were not wealthy in the 1940s. I'm not going to be too arrogant about it, but, uh, you know, but if anyone's got any countervailing information on how uh, the there was a fad of using these sort of things, I'd love to know. I kind of wonder if it was a case where... For some reason, they couldn't do the open door sound effect. You know, something was broken and they said, oh, well, we'll just say that you pressed a button and the door opens so that we don't have to do that effect. And I also did find it funny, the same actor, I think it was Ralph Bell, played the race car driver and also played the public address announcer who announced that the race car driver had uh, died in an accident. I personally have the opinion that if you're going to have the guy who plays the uh, murder victim to play doubles, you should at least wait until after the murder to avoid confusing folks. Also, because the actor has such a 
you know, a, a distinct voice, I was kind of found myself listening and saying, okay, why is Duke announcing the race that he's racing in? All right, well, listener comments and feedback, and we have some comments from YouTube. And this one is regarding the butterfly murder case, and we've got uh, two comments. First, uh, D writes, I thought it, uh, it was, well, someone else. Nice surprise. Well, it's always good uh, when an episode uh, pulls out a twist in and we can say, yeah, that was clever. Eileen quotes from uh, the story, I saw the change in my husband after he wrote those letters, changing from a wonderful man to a broken wreck. Uh, he was a wonderful man before, when he was mooning over another woman. Jeesh. Uh, fair point, fair point. Uh, I think that there can be some uh, lapses in logic on Philo Vance where the writers, uh, and I think the, these are definitely male writers writing women. Uh, for all the faults you can find in a Hummert production, I don't think you would ever find a line like that on something like Mr. Chameleon or Mr. Keen. Thanks so much for the comment, Eileen. And now let's go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And thank you to Felipe, Patreon supporter since June of 2021, currently supporting the program at the shameless level of $4 or more per month. Well, uh, that will actually do it for today. Next Tuesday, join us for a previously uncirculated episode of Sherlock Holmes. And then uh, next Thursday, we'll be back with another episode of Philo Vance. But coming up tomorrow, we check in with the man with the action-packed expense account, where... Use some kind of aqua-lung equipment, Inspector? The uh, helmet and face mask equipped with compressed air. It enabled him to stay down underwater for approximately an hour at a time. Only this time, he did not come up. Mm -hmm. Who discovered the body? Monsieur David North. Who is he? A young American scientist who is conducting underwater explorations along the Cassis coast. He has a small ship, the Diana, from which he operates collecting marine specimens. Uh-huh. He had reached a depth of some hundred feet and was about to return to the surface when he noticed a small grotto in one side of the bluff. Lying just inside the entrance was the body of Monsieur Bernier. With a fishing spear thrown, huh? Precisely. So, sometime between 10.30 and noon... Someone met Bernier underwater and killed him. Any idea who it could have been? At this time of year, the cove is filled with underwater swimmers, indulging in this latest craze of the Riviera. Yeah. And what about the spear itself? An ordinary fishing spear, discharged from a compressed air tube. Its counterpart may be found in hundreds of hands. Any personal suspects on your list? I'm afraid not. What about uh, Magda Bernier? Certainly, there was no financial motivation. There's a $75,000 insurance policy. I assure you, that means nothing. Bernier was an immensely wealthy man. Well, what about business associates? He had been retired for 20 years. An attorney by the name of Armand Gauthier in Marseille handles his affairs. We have checked. They are in perfect order. Any uh, personal enemies? So far as we have been able to ascertain, none. Well, he obviously had one. Well, thanks for your time, Inspector. 
I hope you'll be with us tomorrow for yours truly, Johnny Dollar. In the meantime, do send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.